This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. I'm super excited. I know I always say that every single time because I only have guests on that I am actually interested in talking to. One of my favorite directors. Oh, God. That's great. Please welcome Martha Coolidge. Now, first of all, I just have to fangirl for a moment. Yes. You directed Valley Girl (laughs) with that, at the time, newcomer, Nicolas Cage. Yes, yes. So I have so many questions just about that. And obviously your new movie and your body of work is, I mean, when I was doing my research for this, wow. You know, we, we all forget how long your resume is. <laughs> did, did, when, you, when you made Valley Girl, did you have any idea that it was actually going to be up there with like Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Um, and I'm saying that as a compliment that it's, help define part of the culture of a generation? Whoops. whoops. Um, Well, yes, I, I, in a way, not, not that I had any idea of what it would be, but the point is, is that it was clearly about a new uh, infection of, of movement and style and sense uh, among young people. And it was something that, really uh worked i i love i think teenage love stories when you're um uh when you're um when you're very sorry my phone is that's hard. okay okay when you're when you're really get excited about something uh and when you're young god love is kind of the biggest thing there is so uh, I was very, very excited about it, and I loved the music, and I loved the characters and the humor, and it, it, we had a lot of fun. It really holds up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I made my son watch it, and it's still, I mean, and there's so many amazing moments in that movie. So that was my little fangirl moment. Okay. Now I can do, I have so many more you have directed such amazing actors. Oh, I mean, God, thank you. I mean, wait, think about it. Laura Dern and Diane Ladd, who both got nomin- Oscar nominations for Ramblin' yes. Rose, which you directed. I was making a list. Julia Stiles, Val Kilmer, Holly Hunter, Gina Davis, James Gandolfini, Frances McDormand, Robert Duvall, <laughs> Angelica Houston... I mean, talk about an actor's director. Well, uh, what what really uh, I was doing was thinking uh, very clearly and very hard about who should be in the part. Who would I like to be in the part? You know, who fits the part? And what I found is generally that it was a mutual uh, get-together, that people wanted that 
part, and and that was a lucky thing. What, but when you the first started out, important. there mm-hmm. was not a lot of women directors. Maybe oh no. <laughs> no, I mean what we're talking about between what was it like you, well, uh, was, Amy Hecker Lang? Just when I started, Amy Claudia. And then a little, little bit later, Barbara Koppel and all, you know, came from New York to come here and direct. And uh, but to, to say we hit it off big from the first picture isn't really how it happened. But it took it takes a lot of work. Yeah, of course, you didn't hit it off after the first picture. But how did you get director? I mean, actors to take and I'm not talking about like once you were established, but in the beginning to take the risk with you. So not only were you a new-ish director, you were a woman. And it was so out of the norm. Well, it's a good question, but I even even found in in school, when I was in school, whether it was acting school or directing, um, there are a few people who just don't really want to work with women. I mean, they just don't see it that way. But then there are also a lot of people who want to work with, who have worked with women in every capacity except maybe directors. So they're very interested in it. And once you talk to them, if you talk about character and how the picture is going to come together and what you've done, you can show them work. It's it's not such a mystery. Right. But at the time, you really, I mean, you were a handful of women that, kick the door down. I mean, there must have been fights made to get. Pictures. Yeah, you got you got stuff financed. Which now yes, in, in Yeah, I say in hindsight, it really is staggering. Yeah, it, it's uh it it is still <laughs> it still is. I yeah. mean, and you were part of the generation and not only that, you were funny. Oh, well, now that's another thing. When I went into Valley Girl, I wasn't known as a funny person. But you could direct funny. Yes, and that's what happened. It was a very funny movie, and I had a good sense of humor. How did you, I mean, Nicolas Cage had already been working a little. Big leap of faith on both your leads in that movie that they could really carry the picture. What was it specifically in Nick that you saw oh. that early on. Well, when you read when you read an actor, I didn't know who he was, which is amazing. And uh when you read somebody, I mean he was incredibly shy, but that's not a bad thing in an actor. And uh he was complex. That that's probably the most interesting thing about him. He was complex. It didn't matter what the line was, he's thinking about something. If there's text going on, he knows his character, he's interested, and you just can't keep your eyes off him. So true. You also were one of the first directors, let alone, I don't want to say women directors. You've tackled head-on a lot of social issues before it was, you know, sort of chic to do so. Ah, thank you. You know, I'm thinking about specifically Dorothy uh, introducing Dorothy Dandridge. Well, that one was a picture that had been worked on for quite some time by several people, uh, ultimately Hallie. And it was Hallie that brought it to HBO. 
And then they came to me when, after she sort of interviewed a whole bunch of black directors and, uh, and we were still, she was still considering some, but um, in the end, she, we liked each other. She put it that way. And that was very much, you were talking about a groundbreaking uh, actress who was the subject of the movie. Hallie was a big deal, but not hadn't won her Oscar yet. Oh, God, no. She hadn't really carried a movie like that. She carried in this incredibly complex part. It went from 18 or 16 all the way to when she died. And it was a very big part. Had a lot of things in it, including dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, and, and a period piece. Yes, and period how do you even start to prepare for something like that? Because you have, I mean, and we'll get to that with your new movie, again, a period piece. Yes, yes. Well, uh, one of the things is that you hire people, that you go for people in those departments who, who first of all, do understand that period. It's not right. a mystery to them. And uh, I have certain feelings and instincts about that period myself, but I am not, I did not grow up in Poland or Germany. So it was, uh, it was an incredible treat to be making it. And my production designer, Marek came and he had never made a film in Poland before, but he had designed sets in Poland and plenty of sets in Europe and the United States. Uh, and then my cameraman, Alex came and he was also Polish, but had never shot a film in Poland before. For him to be able to work in Poland, where he'd grown up and many family members had uh, died there. I mean, Poland was in his genes and he, uh, it was very, very special for him and very special for Marek. And they they could really uh, enjoy and utilize all the benefits of Poland and what Poland had to offer. Your new film, that's a perfect segue to this, I'll Find You, is is a World War II story. Yes, well, that's what I mean, is they had that, their families, their backgrounds uh, to refer to and to call on friends of family, et cetera, et cetera. And it was... Uh, it was really like making a, a, a film from Poland, actually. And it, the movie's about survival. I don't want to give yes. it away. Yes. Um, and dealing with, you know, Nazis and chaos of war. What? I mean, it's you're very socially conscious. Oh, thank you. I well, guess. I mean, we can go back to If These Walls yeah. Could Talk, yeah. too, you were one of the first people to actually depict lesbian relationships. That's true. <laughs> just, I've done my research. Um, <laughs> were you always that way as a child? Were you? Did you come from a family that was very socially active? Well, you know, well, what I, mean? I came from a family that was conscious. Let's put it that way. And my father's father was a uh, Republican. Um, a senator in Massachusetts, and my mother uh, was a socialist communist, you know, <laughs> and uh, so we had very interesting political discussions when I was a kid at home, 
And it, because of that, it was alive. That's what was really important because it was very different than now. But it was alive and and very interesting, and we were all interested. So it was uh, something that I have been engaged in, and I've been engaged in all my life because it goes along with my youth in uh, you know in college. It was a time of being very aware. And when you think about what the '60s were like, <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, it 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 is a. It's always been of interest to me. What I found fascinating, which I did not know, was you are a descendant of <laughs> Calvin Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> but what I just what just dawned on me now, and I am saying this with absolute as a compliment, because. You really come from a very traditional blue blood Mayflower family. True. And here, yeah, which is not a bad thing. No, it's true. It's right. true. But then you went and made this left turn and said, I want to go into show business. That's right, which was definitely not uh, an acceptable um um, way to make a living in my family, actually. Well, I mean, and my mom went through the same thing, which is when they when you said I want to be an actress, it was the same as saying I want to be a hooker. Oh, geez, yes. You know, when you go back to that time, a yes. lot of pearl clutching. Yes, yes. When you got into like film school and AFILs, how did you say to your parents, mother, father, this is where I'm going? <laughs> I just did. I mean, my father had died, so I didn't have a father for most of that time. My mother remarried then, right before I went to film school. But uh, I did know, I mean, she wanted me to be in the arts. That was her plan, to be an artist. And uh, so it wasn't that far off when you think about it. And uh, and I I just I went to RISD, which is a Rhode Island School of Design, great school, and but I loved filmmaking and decided to go into filmmaking. And uh, it, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. I didn't have a clue, uh, but I did in the end leave um, from Rhode Island and went to New York and started making films in New York. It was amazing that I could do that. What drew you to filmmaking? Everybody's, well, not everybody. Most people have that pivotal moment where they're like, this is what I want to do, or this is what I don't want to do. Well, you know something that's also an interesting topic? When I was young, and there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood, I sort of started uh, heading up a group of kids. I can't call it a gang. It wasn't. It was a group of kids. And we'd play games and I'd give everybody parts. I mean, <laughs> let's put it this way. I was directing already. And that is interesting. It just came out of me. I mean, I built sets in boxes. Uh, it was, there was something about um, the imagination of it all, the ability to go into an imagined world that was very compelling. And I was living in New Haven, great drama school at Yale. Yep. And good theater. And uh, it's it definitely sort of was around to enter into my bones and my genes. You had 
it's, you know, some people like, and I'm not saying like you didn't struggle and work hard. You seem to be a lot of at the right place at the right time and then able to back it, but and then able to back it up with talent. Well, it, uh, I would have to say that, you know, my advice to people is that that isn't the way it feels at the time. Of course not. And you feel like this is never going to happen. This has to happen. I know it has to happen, but it's, you know, and it's very discouraging. You feel sort of like you're banging a head against a wall until there's a little movement. And when there's a little movement, what's really important that is that you recognize it and you act. If you're missing it because you're stoned or preoccupied or whatever you are, uh, then it it isn't going to be your moment. But there really, when there is an opening, a little open, you can take it if you are are quick enough to recognize it. Who would you say gave you your first big break where you thought to yourself? This is sort of like I'm, I'm gonna be okay. My instincts that I can do this are no, that my instincts that I can do this are right. Well, it, that's a very difficult question to answer um, because it happened a few times and I can remember it well and, and I'm incredibly thankful. But there was a man, Tim Timpanero, who was uh, at at Screen Gems, uh, somehow involved in the lab. And what happened is he gave me big chances. I, I learned how to work an Oxberry and do my own animation. And, uh, you know, I, I could shoot things if I used odd hours. And he then in, actually invested in some early movies of mine. And those were they're huge. Those are huge things to give somebody. And they're very, very needed. And uh, it was, you're just forever thankful. And the other thing certainly made me want to do was to do the same for other people. You teach at Chapman. Yes. University. Yes. Which, for those who don't know, is now considered one of the great TV and film schools. Yeah, it is. Giving, giving, you know, USC, which is always the first, and NYU, which are the first ones people think of, a run for their money. What, what do you teach? Are you teaching an advanced class? Are you teaching a, a, a basic class? I've had a number of friends who teach there and they love the experience. Well, it's, it's what's great about that school, and I, I have tremendous enthusiasm, is that it believes that the films are the students. The student is making the film. They're directors. So that you're essentially trying to help focus the artist on their vision. Uh, Because of what a director brings to a movie that is different from everybody else is their vision, the way they see the story, how they see the story, what's it about. That is critical. And so we stress story and I stress acting, learning about actors, how do actors work? And we have a wonderful drama school and we have a lot of other drama schools around in our area. And therefore, uh, you know, I, I can bring actors into class and that's fantastic. 
And it's, it's great to have people not be afraid and to have opportunities to work with each other where they wouldn't in certain parts of the country. They, it would just be hard to find. Are you finding a massive uptick in the women and the girls yeah, feeling, feeling like they can do it? Yeah, I think that's also a very astute question. It, it's um, for a while, what was happening in film schools is you just didn't have any women there, hardly. It would be hard to convince them that they could go into the film business and get work. They just didn't see it. But in the last years, yes, they come. And I'm, I have, I've even had classes with more women than men. Does that make you happy on a whole completely different level? Oh, absolutely. Because when I was going into these things and you'd show up, they'd say, well, you can't, you can't be a director. You're a woman. You know, it's like, what do you mean? I can't be a, I am a, you know, and it's, uh, it, it, it is very encouraging and great to see. And not only that, but they're women of, uh, diverse backgrounds from different countries. It's great. I really do think women bring a different point of view. They do. They and, a, do. and a different level of, and I'm not, and by the way, and men are brilliant directors also. I don't want anyone to take yeah. this oh, as a definitely. slam. Um, but women bring a different level of um, complexity mm-hmm. just by nature to characters where you do have, you know, the words and the text and the subtext and the emotional life and whether they're, you know, an actor is Method or Meisner or any of these things. I still think women bring just by by nature an empathy. Uh, yes. In fact, uh, we would say that the director has both a female side and a male side. Every director, man or woman. And that is they have to have great empathy for the people in the story and the people who are victims or heroes, it doesn't matter. And uh, they also have to lead the troops. They have to be a general. They have to be able to go out and, you know, and get excitement out of the thousand extras that are baking in 104 degree heat, you know, somewhere. So it's, it is, it's both. It, it's, it's a very important thing. And if you really look at directors, whether they're man or woman, you can see both sides. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder though, in a weird way, and this isn't, this isn't what I was planning on discussing with you, but you just, it made me think of it. It's hard. It's easier for a man to come off as sensitive and be accepted than for, you know, it's the old story. If a woman's tough, she's a bitch. Oh, you know, that certainly was true 15 years ago and probably still is true. But uh, right now we're seeing a much greater diversity. And there's for the first time in the last 10 years, we're seeing women hired. They're doing action TV and all kinds of stuff, and and that's great. It is great because, as I've said for years to people, I don't have to actually do the karate. I just have to know how to shoot it. <laughs> exactly. You don't really have to be Batman to know how to make the movie. Right. That is exactly right. And that's the same is true about men. So, you know, yeah, it's good. When my mom directed Rabbit Test... Uh, back in the, back in the day, and there were again very few female directors. 
she found a lot. She there the DP who was a very famous DP because my father wanted her surrounded by the best possible people. Not always the easiest. Really was resentful. And I still remember, and this was from a child, she used to say that when she would get to look through the camera, because this is the day before everyone was watching on headsets and monitors, he would pinch her Achilles. Yeah. That's mean. Yeah. Did you ever find in the that at all I mean I still know that there's I mean there's always going to be a boys club there's always going to be all these things but I feel like it's a it's not as accepted and b women I think we don't care so much about being in it anymore because we now have our own club oh and by the way I mean the point is is that when you're being acknowledged as the director of this show that there, people are giving you uh, um, respect. I mean, they just have to give you a certain amount. Once I was on very early, I was on a TV show, and I, I really hadn't done hardly any. And we got a really great shot with snow and all kinds of stuff at night. It was great. And everybody was very excited, and I was pinched on the bottom. And I <laughs> turned around, and it was the DP. <laughs> and he and I looked at each other and he realized, oh, my God, I just pinched the director. <laughs> I just pinched the boss. <laughs> and and we didn't say anything uh, later. We mentioned it. But the point is, I didn't make anything of it. And, you know, we yeah. both felt sort of embarrassed, but it was the excitement of the time. Yeah, it's very hard. And how was your day at work, dear? Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> what draws you? Because again, you know, you're, you're, I almost just said your CV because I'm thinking academics. Your, your, your credits, um, so diverse. Yes. Well, in part, please understand that that has to do with my age and when I entered the business. Because when you're not, when there isn't an opening to you because of where you went in and who your friends are, then you kind of take the best of what you can find. And that's why I've done so many different kinds of movies coming but, in from docu documentaries, actually. But you've managed to do them all successfully. I certainly try to do my best. I feel that that's not true. I have a couple I'd feel that I could have done better. But um, on the other hand, when you're working and at the time you're doing the best you can, that's very important. And over the years, you gradually realize the things that will hurt you or will hurt the movie if they're there. I wanted to pivot back to the movie. I know we touched on it earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you find the script? Well, when I first read the script... It was ambitious and huge. It had, I don't know, 24 concerts in it. And it just was huge. And it, you couldn't do it. I mean, it would be more than two miniseries. It was really huge. So I felt when I came in to, or to, when I didn't come in yet, but when I talked to the uh, financier in Poland, I said, you know, you can't. He said, I want to make this movie for eight five, and I said, <laughs> I have to tell you, but that isn't going to happen. No, so there had been a prior director, and he had said the same thing. 
And I said, but I can rewrite it. And here's the story. So I told him my story, which is what you see on screen. And I said, I'll rewrite it that way. It's going to take out a lot of the concerts. It's going to keep it much more contained and focus on the love story. Because I think the right way to tell this story is the love story. I think it's a very special way of showing survivors of World War II and uh, survivors of the chaos of Europe. And uh, they liked that. So I then quickly wrote it out. And by then I'd been searching around for who I might go to as a writer. And I realized that I'd met David uh, uh, Ward, who teaches at Chapman. And I came, I went to David Ward and I was very lucky that he was very interested. And so he did. And uh, the the one of the producers was the other writer, but she didn't write on his version, but he would talk to her if he had questions or anything like that. How did you cast it? Well, oh my God, how did I, here's this huge movie. We, the first thing we did is we, in talking to uh, the John, the financier producer, uh, it was obvious that, and clear that he wanted it to be in English first. So that meant that whatever actors we got, we needed to have the movie in English to start with. And um, so what I did is uh, the other, another producer who they'd gone to and is who brought me in, uh, Fred Roos, who mm-hmm. was also Francis Coppola's producer, he uh, and I talked a lot and decided we needed to go to London to get the young cast and the main cast because they are trained, uh, tons of trained people. They do theater. Um, they're used to your working in Europe and, you know, it would limit our problems with English. So then what we were doing was reading people in Poland and Germany and all these places and And I said, you know, Fred, I think the way to do this is to have all the other people speak English as well. Just with an accent, we'll just, it's English, quote unquote, Polish. And uh, because these countries are filled with people from different countries. Yeah. And they have accents. So what's wrong with that? As long as you can understand them. Well, of course, some of the actors didn't speak English at all. But <laughs> a whole new challenge. We got it to them. And it's been an incredible adventure. And then, of course, when you do that, looping is an Oh, event. God. And, and for people who don't know what looping is, explain. Okay. What looping is, to start with, is while you're recording the soundtrack, somebody honks a horn. Uh, somebody pulls out the plug, what, I I don't know, a truck goes by and you can't hear anything. So what happens is there are moments in the soundtrack or maybe entire scenes where you cannot hear any dialogue and you have to put it in later, synchronizing the actor to their own words. And uh, if it's well done, you, you can hardly tell it's done at all. But because of that, we had actors from all over Europe, and we were looping people in every country. It was hilarious. How did you get this? Thank God you got this. How much did COVID run into this? Uh, didn't. Not yet. Few. I was going to say few. 
Yeah. <laughs> COVID really happened when we were ready to release the picture. And that's what happened. It stalled it by two years. Really. Well, in a strange way, you ended up dodging a bullet on that. Yes. Um, what? This is such a compelling story. And without it being planned, it's very timely. Aha. Yes, it is. Look at what's happening. It Did is. You, you know, obviously you can't pre-plan that. Didn't didn't pre-plan it, but the one thing you do know is if you've studied history at all, we keep doing the same thing. Are you? Are you, I was a history major, so you oh, you, you took the yeah. Were you, are you an avid history buff? Ah, I'm a fan. I'm a history fan. I love reading books about history. I I spend gobs of time on various sites in on the internet. Um, Evolution is a. Fa- I'm fascinated by political uh, structures, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, I'm a, I'm a fan, but it, I'm not a like a history professor in a disguise. No, neither am I. I just sound really good at cocktail parties. I can disseminate information from the news, and I'm fun to travel with. Yes, good. There you go. Something else we have in common before I let you go, because um, I could really like pick your brain and talk to you forever and probably get way too deep for anybody else's <laughs> liking. I rode horses my whole life. Oh. I did the hunter jumpers. You are an, I hate when people say this, but I'm going to use the term avid equestrian. I am. I am an avid equestrian. How did that start? Did it start as a child? Yes. Uh, it started really, well, it's, a, it's an involved story, but let's put it this way. When I was a child, not only was I reading the Iliad and the Odyssey and other stories that are ancient and do have horses, um, but I also was re- introduced to uh, uh, Smokey and um, some of these great cowboy books that were written by cowboys who had to sort of retire off the range and then came to Hollywood and did stunt work. And it's it's know. so fascinating, and so many people don't know about that. No, and it's incredible to live here because the history is. I mean, I grew up in New England, and it's the history of horses in Los Angeles. The city has thousands of horses. People have thousands of horses, and uh, it's great. I get I go up. I go in my backyard, put a saddle on one, and go up in the mountains. I feel very lucky to live here. It's great. Where do you do your best creative thinking? Oh, boy. I'm a particularly odd a person that way, I never know. How's that? You don't know when the muse is going to speak. Well, it speaks, but it's like I'll be in the middle of a crisis on set and suddenly an idea comes. Or Mm -hmm. I'll be thinking in the middle of the night and wake up with an idea uh, or have a dream. Uh, You know, it doesn't stop. Let's put it that way. It doesn't stop. I say you're very lucky because lucky, I'm one of those people like most of my best ideas either happen in the middle of the night and I can't remember them. Well, or, that, yeah, that or I'm in the shower. Yeah, so, there's one too. Yes, yeah, where suddenly it's like, shit, I, I'm, I'm having a creative lull. Let me go stand in the shower till I'm a prune and see what happens. <laughs> That's great. Okay. That's really good. I used to, in college, 
I would, I kept a pad of paper by my bed and I would wake up in the morning and write my dreams down because it was the only way I could remember them. Well, since I started wearing glasses a couple years back, because I used to keep a pad by my bed and then I would try and read what I wrote in the middle of the night and I hadn't put my glasses on and it was just, you could not tell. And Ah. I would be sitting there trying to decipher it. Going, shit. Yes, right, right. Oh, man, that's funny. Well, the movie is wonderful. Oh, I really thank you. And I have to say it was made with tremendous love. Oh, yes. Incredible dedication by everyone. There are so many people involved in this movie who never thought the movie would get finished. And, but uh, it is finished. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful product. Well, tell, you. tell people where they can find it. Well, that's a very good question. Um, it is it, it is on uh, both. It is in theaters, some, a few, some theaters. And it is on streaming. Yes. So if they go up, and I guess to HBO, you can find it uh, or look it up, and you will find where it's showing. Well, it's a it's a, a must. Offered. It's a must see. Yeah. Martha Coolidge. It has been a pleasure. Well, and I'm even a bigger fan now. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of you. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> 